0: Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go,
1: Blues!
2: This is Let's Go Blues Radio. You're listening to Season 8, Episode 22, Franchise Episode Number 208. I'm your host, Jeff Ponder, and I want to give a big thanks to the Wild and Free for the use of their song, Fire. Uh, make sure you check them out over on YouTube or Spotify, that's the Wild and Free local band. Also, big thanks to Tom Calhoun, PAGuyTom.com, the Blues PA announcer for the opening there. Make sure you check him out, PAGuyTom.com. Also, check out the Let'sGoBlues.com shop and consider buying yourself a shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds always go back into the show. Also, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. You can also listen to Let'sGoBluesRadio.com. And if you are on iTunes or I guess Apple Podcasts now, please leave us that uh, five star review. That uh, that helps us a lot. Well, we don't have an email to read this week for uh, everyone's favorite segment of the summer series here, but um, for this episode, I do something a little, a uh, little nice, a little fun. So, uh, how about it, folks? Why don't we keep the party going? So I'm thinking uh, back to October 24th, 2017. Um, why this date? Well, this day was was kind of special for the show uh, because one of our uh, bigger hashtags we've ever had for the show uh, appeared on this one. Why not Biddington? And you you probably you hear that now. You know, even major blues fans probably don't think anything of it, but. Why not? Bennington was funny for so many reasons because, uh, well, you know what? It just—we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it did inspire the hashtag that uh, that we had long before Bennington took the crease over last season. This was part of a segment we used to do called "Social Media Fails," and we still do it from time to time, just not nearly as much. We used to have them on every episode, where we just kind of take something silly that was said over social media. Maybe it was in a heat of the moment thing, or. Uh, you know something somebody uh, just a silly thing somebody might have said on Facebook or Twitter or whatever about the blues. and uh, this was one of those moments and you know it, it's it's funny I can I can sit here and, and it just feels like this was yesterday. almost feels like it was yesterday. Almost feels like it was yesterday. So we've got uh, one more. It's another Facebook post from the blues. Uh, the Blues have recalled Bo Bennett from the Chicago Wolves and Regina or Regina if she were a town in Canada. Uh, she responds with, why not Bennington? <laughs> why would the Blues call up a third goalie? Why not? Why not Bennington? <laughs> why not... Bennington is the question. I, I don't, I, I don't even know why. If we need a goalie, why would we call up Bennington? It's just such a weird. I could see if you're a big Bennington fan for a reason posting it on their Facebook page, not on a post. But on a post about a forward being calling up, why are you posting about a goalie being called up? And when and, the goalies are fine. And and not even the goalie that would get called up. Why <laughs> I well, i I mean, at least say why not who so, right? I mean yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah that, that I don't I don't know that just doesn't make any sense to me but uh, Regina yeah. <laughs> like come in and explain yourself I'd, be, I'd, I'd love to hear uh, uh, what the reasoning there was behind why not Bennington. I feel like that should be a hashtag hashtag why not, <laughs> not <Bennington. laughs> after every move that's made why not <laughs> I like it let's make it happen alright I'm gonna start doing it <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that trip down memory lane. Remember that uh, if you want to contribute to the Keep the Party Going segment, which is typically where I read an email from a listener about um, you know, the, uh, the championship, what it's meant to you, the Blues fan, your friends, your family, whoever, whatever you want to write about to us to let us know how you're celebrating this summer, uh, radio at letsgoblues.com. Again, that is radio at letsgoblues.com. Our guests this week, well, I should say guests with an S, uh, Mark and Chris from the Vegas Hockey Podcast join me, and we're going to talk, uh, well, let's see, their name's the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I think they're Golden Knights guys, so we are going to uh, talk a little bit about the Blues and Golden Knights short history together. Uh, this was recorded on June 21st, so this was shortly after the uh, Blues had captured Lord Stanley's Cup for the first time in franchise history. That never gets tiring of saying that. Uh, so yeah, Mark and Chris, uh, very knowledgeable hockey guys, join me on the show. Chris uh, living in New York, Mark in Vegas, and uh, they run a very fun podcast about the Golden Knights. Today we are talking Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, definitely not a uh, lot of history between these two teams, but uh, plenty enough for us to sit down with a couple people from the Vegas Hockey Podcast and uh, discuss Blues and Golden Knights. But before we get to those gentlemen, we will uh, we will look at the all-time record between these two teams. Six games played, the Blues actually have a 4-0-2 record, which is uh, pretty impressive considering how, uh, great the Golden Knights have been to, uh, start their, uh, first two years in the NHL. First meeting was on October 21st, 2017. Uh, it was, uh, in Vegas. It was a 3-2 overtime loss for the Blues. Magnus Payarvi, everyone remembers him well, had his first goal of the season that year. And then, uh, Brad Hunt had, uh, uh two assists against his former team, the St. Louis Blues, at the time. Brad Hunt has since Moved on is no longer with the Golden Knights. Uh, so uh, I, plenty of here is to talk about just in the short history between these two teams. But before we do that, I want to introduce my, my guests, uh, Mark and Chris from the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Also want to mention that Chris Liza also writes for Eyes on Isles, a, which is a fan-sided blog for the New York Islanders. So if you want some Isles info, definitely look out for Chris. But uh, today we are talking Vegas hockey, and uh, Mark and Chris, thank you very much for coming on today. Not a problem.
0: Glad to be here. Yep. So Congratulations on the uh, Stanley Cup there, sir.
2: Oh, man, I tell you what, the uh, the Blues fans are going to love uh, hearing that. It, it, you can't say it enough here. It's funny because you go anywhere and you say Stanley Cup, Blues win the Cup, people just high fives. It, it's been a party for a week and a half now, so it's been pretty nice.
0: I want to recycle a tweet from the uh, L.A. Kings in 2012. I think they ousted Vancouver, and they're, they, they had a pretty witty Twitter account. Um said, to the rest of Canada, you're welcome. <laughs>
2: so
0: kind of I feel like the only people who wanted Boston to win were in Boston. Yep. So uh, <laughs> for the rest of the United States, thank you.
2: Yep. That was... <laughs> That was definitely the conversation that I had with multiple people across the country. You gotta beat Boston. You just gotta beat Boston.
0: And our old friend David Perron gets his name on the cup, so that's uh, that's a nice thing.
2: Yeah, and we'll be talking to David Perron. Actually, let's start there. Uh, so, expansion 2017. Actually, at the NHL awards show, uh, we started seeing the expansion of uh, the Golden Knights. All the players that uh, they selected from each team. They got one from all 30 teams, of course, from the St. Louis blues, they took David Perron. Um, and, uh, you know, the blues, it, it kind of felt like maybe that signing, uh, the year before, cause they brought him back. Maybe that was at the time to, to, you know, Hey, let's, we can leave this guy exposed. And, you know, now since then, since he's resigned, maybe that, uh, proves to not really be the case, but, uh, uh, when the Golden Knights first came in, uh, what were your guys' thoughts on, uh, David Perron being one of the, uh, the kind of marquee guys, uh, coming to the team along with guys like, uh, James Neal and Jonathan Marchessault?
0: Well, uh, I, th- I think you had to know David Perron's game before you heard his name announced to understand what potential that guy could bring to the roster obviously you don't know what line combinations are coming yet or not but um i've been a hockey fan since 1980 i'll go full disclosure uh, i was 12 when the united states won won the gold medal in 1980 and my family was always big on olympics in general so uh, that was that was when i started watching hockey and I, I grew up in la so it was like oh there's a there's a hockey team here too it's not just the dodgers and Lake. I was a Kings fan for years and years and years, and a fan of the game. So I, I knew David Perron, and I knew that his his skill set as far as puck possession and playing keep away and, and being hard on the puck in the corners on the half wall. We all thought they were going to be a defensive first, dump the puck in, keep it out of your own zone at all costs uh, kind of a team in the first year. So I, I was really happy when uh, they announced David Perron Chris.
1: Yeah, I mean yeah, I I looked at uh David Perron, if memory serves correct, I don't think there was really uh a a young player on the blues exposed list that kinda jumped out like a William Carlson kind of player. So I you know, David Perron was on the last year of his deal, he was the pending UFA, he was the guy who could slide in uh in a top six role, uh provide offense. You know, I, I kind of saw him as a one-year guy. Well, actually, part of the roster being laying the foundation for the Golden Knights in year one, helping them build something, and then a guy that uh, Vegas could move to deadline to acquire future assets to build up right. the franchise. And lo and behold, the Knights had the season that they had. But, uh, he, you know, he, uh, he had a real successful year with them. I... I don't think it was. Uh, it wasn't like they didn't want to bring him back. I think they had eyes on a couple of the players, which turns out to be uh, Max Pacioretty okay. and Paul Staffney. But um, yeah, I, I thought uh, he, his year in Vegas was uh, definitely a, a big success. And ironically, last point about David Perron who signed back with the Blues on July one. David Perron basically got at the same offer from two teams, the Blues and the New York Islanders, and he, and he re-signed with the Blues.
2: Yeah, it, uh, there's a lot of talk about how he was uh, one guy that definitely wanted to come back to St. Louis, and and people always appreciate that in him. But talking about his season last year, uh, David Perron, as you said, one of the many players to post a career year. 50 assists, 66 points, which was very impressive for him. Blues fans obviously know Perron very well, and uh, seeing those numbers he put up was something to behold. And again, it wasn't just him, it was, you know, there are so many players that just had such great years. Um, You know, a lot of credit goes to Gerard Gallant for uh, what he did there in uh, his first year, and obviously he was able to carry it over into the second year. But uh, what did you see? In his structure or in this team, that made so many players just seem like they played above their skill level that uh, that people expected from them, you know, before last season.
0: And I, I said this from probably December of of two years ago. Um, the reason the Golden Knights were successful was because they bought in. Everybody was there for the same purpose. Everybody was. You know, pulling the rope in the same direction or whatever cliche you want to, you want to use. And every guy was accountable to everybody else. Everyone knows that the Knights don't have a captain and the, there's 23 captains on the team. That's the tagline, right? So, and I think the players genuinely enjoyed each other and they knew they were in a unique spot and they knew they were, you know, to a man, they were all ambassadors for the game here in Las Vegas. When you have that, you know, you have, 23 guys pulling the oar in the same direction, and everybody playing hard. You know, at at times, you know, we'll get to the the healthy scratch situation with Peron in a minute, but 99% of the time, those guys were defending every pass. They had sticks in every lane. Their compete level was so high. And, And don't forget, there were 11 guys, I believe, on that roster that were playing for contracts, and nobody knew how the season was going to end up. So you you know how guys always, you know, overperforming in contract years. But I, I think they genuinely enjoyed each other, and I think they genuinely enjoyed playing for each other. There's enough skill and speed and talent and youth and veterans. Uh, McPhee did a, a fantastic job putting that roster together. And, you know, we've seen teams that don't, you know, they're not Tampa Bay or, or you know, they're not Pittsburgh in, in their heyday or, you know, loaded with talent now, i'll even use chris's islanders as an example for this season two years ago they, they allowed more goals than anybody else in the league with basically the same roster you had a trots come in and lamarillo come in and basically just lay down the law of what the culture was going to be and they ended up this season allowing the fewest goals in the nhl and that's because that roster came together and played for each other and and played hard and you know Say what you want. Carlson had a, had a career year, forty-three goals. Uh, Flurry was outstanding once he got back from his his early season concussion. Um, it was it was effort. You never saw guys gliding in for a line change. You never saw guys hit center ice and stop skating. And well, they're probably gonna get that dump in, so I'll just curl off. Every puck, every pass was contested all year long, and and I think that's. The, the main reason why they were everybody on that roster had had career years or close to it.
1: Just to quickly expand on that point, Mark just said, uh, you know, everyone had really something to prove. It felt like half the roster were veteran guys like Perron and Neon, and especially in those guys' cases, they were pending unrestricted free agents. And the other half were guy young guys like William Paulson and Shea Beardors who were trying to prove that. They can be future core players for organizations. So uh, I, I think, in different ways, everyone had something to something to prove, and uh, that that gave them a focus. Had a little, you know. Look, let's face it too. As much as no one was putting any of these players down, but at the end of the day, these players were exposed and were taken off from their former clubs. So I'm sure there was a little bit of a chip on their shoulders as well. So I think. You put all that together, and the job that George McBee and Gerard Gallant did, and what Mark was alluding to before about building a
0: culture—it really all came together for Vegas.
2: Yeah. So obviously, the the first year there, they uh, you know they they had an unbelievable, miraculous run, something we may never seen in a uh, in another expansion team in the future go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But uh, something Mark alluded to there, um, David Perron a uh, guy that, that was kind of a mainstay on that top six throughout the season, uh, only post one goal and eight assists in 15 games. And, uh, Vegas had 20 games in the postseason. No, it was not injury. It was, uh, it was a healthy scratch at times for him. Now, Blues fans obviously know, uh, what he's done in the past that's kind of led to some, some turmoil with his head coaches. Uh, even this last playoff run, there was, some talk of of him possibly being a healthy scratch at some at points, uh, but I want to get your take and, and what you saw from him last year, going from sixty six points to being a type of player that can be a healthy scratch in the postseason. What did you see in his game that led to that?
0: I think with Perron, it, I mean it's hard to say. Um, you you could watch a couple games. He's he's so intense on the puck. If if he gets the puck and he doesn't want to give it up, there's. I mean, there's not too many people that can go up in the wall or go down the corner and take it from him. We, being Blues fans, you guys know, uh, if he has the puck and he's double teamed, you, you've seen him hold that, that puck, uh, on a penalty kill, let's say 15, 20, 30 seconds with two guys trying to take the puck out from him. And you're just, you're just watching. You're like, man, is he good? But then you go a couple games and you don't really notice him at all. I, that goes back to the uh, every man accountable that I was talking about earlier. There, At at times, he can take just frustrating penalties, stick penalties, um, where if he's just moving his feet a little bit more, he would have been in a better position. And Golan made it clear early in the season that there was a game, I believe it was against the Rangers uh, in their inaugural year, first road trip. And I want to say it was Perron. And it's the third period, it's a tie ball game. He, t- he takes just a, one of those penalties going through center ice, and, and I believe he just slashed out uh, really for no reason at all and got out of the penalty box. And before he went to the bench, he took another penalty. And that was the first time Vegas saw Gerard Gallant with smoke coming out of his ears at the press conference. And uh, we're not – his quote was, we're not an expansion team and we're not going to play that way. Hmm. Direct message to not just Perron, but the whole team. And I think, and it's hard to say, maybe not in the playoffs, but later in the season. Um, I think Coach Glan might have saw some of that creeping back into his game. And I think some of it was, um, wanting to move Alex Tucker to the second line to get more speed against San Jose. And then he, he, his match, I think some of it was matchups. Um, specifically against San Jose, Alex Tuck had a fantastic series against San Jose um, and wanted to get him more ice time. And you know what? Also, we don't know who's injured and who's not in the playoffs. They're, they're going to say healthy scratch, even if it's something where a guy can't really go. But I think for the most part, it was more trying to get Alex Tuck more ice time and think that having a favorable matchup on that second line. And a little bit of maybe lackadaisical play on Perron's part, and coach trying to send a message to the team. That's what that's what I saw.
1: Yeah, and sometimes uh, you know players you know struggle, uh, at think, inopportune time, and and then you know they uh, they put extra pressure on themselves, and they kinda beat, it kind of it kind of creates more of a monster. And
2: you know you have to win these
1: playoff games, these series. Every game is crucial. I mean, just to, uh, in terms of this year. Uh, not David Braun, but using another, you know, uh, well, in that example, you know, uh, Braun had a good, he was good this year. Uh, like you said, he was scratched, healthy scratch. Vegas. I think of a couple of years ago when Jordan Everly with the Edmonton Oilers, when they had their, uh, nice little playoff, r- uh, run, um, you know, he really struggled, uh, with the Oilers. And then, you know, this time around this year with the Islanders, uh, you know, uh, against, especially against the Penguins, he was Mike Bossy. So, you know, sometimes, uh, Sometimes uh, you, go, you go through a little bit of a tough stretch at an inopportune time, and in Vegas, in case, they you know they had another player to put in his place in terms of stuff.
2: So uh, another blue, that uh, former blue, that came to the team is uh, the Blues traded, uh, we talked about this in our Penguin show with Garrett Bahana, um, the Blues traded Ryan Reeves at the draft uh, the year before the Knights came in, and uh, he ends up playing in Pittsburgh just until... Uh, February 23rd, when the Knights acquired him uh, from Pittsburgh in a trade. Um, and it was kind of a, an interesting trade because, one, Pittsburgh was so high on him when they got him. And then when the Knights got him, it was like, whoa, we got this sandpaper guy here in Vegas now. And, uh, you know, not only that, he was a guy who seemed to contribute uh, pretty quickly. He had two pretty big goals in the 2018 playoffs, uh, one in the Stanley Cup Final and uh he's kind of become a staple there in Vegas hockey. I mean, he uh he just kind of personifies uh you know the the grit and the determination that you see from these players in Vegas and uh especially in that first uh playoff run that he was with them. Uh what has been the 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 reception like for uh for Ryan Reeves there in Vegas?
0: Well, Reeves a fan favorite here for sure. Uh I going back um, and Chris will remember we had a conversation because, uh, same trade deadline, the, the Knights acquired Tomas Tatar for a first, second, and third. And we're, we're, we're doing our show and, and I, I didn't like that trade right away because I thought you were trying to strengthen a strength, if you know what I mean. They had their, their second line, you know, set at that point. Their first line was set at that point. Um Tomas Tatar's not a third line player. I, I, Chris will remember, I didn't, I didn't like that trade. And then they got Ryan Reeves and I really liked that trade because that was, uh, you know, a characteristic of the hockey team that they didn't really have. Um, George McSee said, we get a guy like Ryan Reeves because he keeps the flies off the honey. And you know, exactly right. So, um, really liked the trade, really liked the acquisition. Uh, you know, he started his own brewery since he's been out here. A funny story real quick on Ryan Reeves. My buddy was, uh, at least discount liquor. I'm not plugging them or anything, but uh, <laughs> they, they were doing a, uh, a Ryan Reeves autograph jersey giveaway, and he stopped in there and he's oh, "Well, I'll, I'll try a four pack of that, whatever." And it was, it was, it was, I think a 30 day entry, right? So guys were probably going in there buying cases of the stuff, and he fills out the card and doesn't think anything about it. Well, he ended up winning winning the the autograph Ryan Reeves jersey, and I as I, how much, man. How much you want for that? And not for sale. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he 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 went and got a frame and, and put it up in his little Vegas Golden Knights corner, and I won't be getting my hands on that jersey. But definitely, definitely Revo's one of the the fan favorites here in Las Vegas for sure. And, and I like the trade for the on the ice, off the ice. The guy just seems like a great guy when when you talk to him. He's funny. He, he's willing to engage with anybody. Uh, very personable um, just don't just don't throw elbows at Marshall and Carlson and, and anybody can get along with Reese.
2: that's right um, so I wanted to ask you guys real quick about the the brewery the 7-5 brewery is what it's called Uh 7-5 brewing actually um, yeah so uh, so has that have you been there first of all and second of all I mean what's uh, what's it like is it uh, an enjoyable place to watch a hockey game
0: It's on the it's on the docket to do, but I just been really busy, uh, so it's definitely something I, I need to get to get out and do, but I just haven't done that
2: yet. So I wanted to talk to you guys uh, about uh, the Blues and obviously the matchup between the Vegas Golden Knights and these two teams. They played a couple times here now. As I said, six games played over two seasons, um, and uh, the Blues this year they played them twice, and. Um, or oh, and I'm sorry. Uh they actually played them 3 times this year. Uh they had two big wins against them in November, which was a 5-3 win for the Blues on November 1st and November 16th again a 4-1 win. Um and uh believe it or not, in November the Blues were just 6-8 and 0. Vegas, I know they struggled a little bit out of the gate too, but uh you know, it just seemed kind of shocking that the Blues were able to pull out two victories Against such a good team like the Vegas Golden Knights. And then of course, again, they added a win on March 25th when the Blues were making their march to the playoffs. No pun intended. Uh, three to one in that one. Uh, but it just seems like the Blues, like I said, overall record all time, four, oh, and two. They've gained a point in every single time they've played the Vegas Golden Knights. Why does it seem like the Blues just have their number at this point?
1: You know, I just think it's one of those things. Obviously, it's a small sample size. It's two years. Uh, I'll give you a case in point. Um, Vegas's first year, they had, you know, such an unbelievable record and did well against all the big teams. But two teams that had their number were the Edmonton Oilers and the New York Islanders. And they were probably the two biggest disappointments, those two teams, that season. And yet they had success against Vegas. And it is kind of ironic that uh, the Blues won two games from Vegas in November when they were really struggling and, and, and couldn't buy a win. You know, a lot of these times it's when you play a team and is it a back to back and, you know, do they catch uh you know, flurry or was there an injury involved? Clearly the Blues are a good team, so um, you know, they're gonna have a good record again a pretty good record against most. They're not gonna struggle against most. So uh yeah, I, I would say we need a bigger sample size before we can say uh Blues are uh, a Golden Knights killer. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'll agree with that.
0: Well, I think, too, that um, this year, especially early in the season, uh, the the Knights were without Nate Schmidt, and he really drives drives the play yeah. out of the, the defensive zone. And uh, power play, the penalty kill, Nate, Nate's on the ice in all situations. And he'll skate the puck out when, when uh, the opportunity presents itself. And the the knights really struggled without him early in the season. I think they went nine twelve and one to start the season, uh, not taking anything away from the blues, but they they de- de- the knights definitely struggled um, without Nate Schmidt. I think when Nate came back, they went on a seven game win streak, and it wasn't coincidental, obviously. Um, but I think there's only one other team that has a point in every game, and that's the Minnesota Wild, and. Maybe this season the Knights got one, but I, I know the Minnesota Wild, and then, like Chris said, Edmonton and and New York really had their number two. I I want to say Minnesota's the only other team that has a point every time they played. So matchups what?
2: are a funny thing. What's that? Matchups are a funny thing, aren't they?
0: Yeah, you, you know, especially last season, two seasons ago. Now, um, you would think that Vegas would just run through Edmonton and and. Two of the biggest losses of the season came against Edmonton. And, and they do a pretty good job on McDavid. The few of the games they played, they've held Connor off the score sheet and still found a way to lose five to one or or six to one or whatever the case was. So they, they kind of play a a similar style in, in, in the respect that the, the Knights are just fine rolling four lines. And you know Reeves and Carrier, another another St. Louis Blues graduate, uh, and Belmar on that fourth line, they they're just fine dumping the puck in, grinding it around, cycling the puck, and it's something um, that we saw you know, obviously St. Louis Blues do very well. And in in that respect, there's a lot of a lot of similarities between the two clubs. And I think St. Louis is more comfortable playing that style. I think, you know, ideally the Golden Knights want to want to get the puck out, um, come through the neutral zone with speed and enter the zone with the puck on the stick as opposed to dumping it in and going to get it. Um, but they're, they're comfortable playing that style of game. But I think St. Louis is, is, you know, you match up against a team that can play similar styles to you. Um, like you said, the matchup's a funny thing, and and St. Louis is very good at that style of hockey, and that might have something to do with why they're so good against the Golden Knights.
2: So uh, one more question for you guys. Uh, So Paul Stastny is uh, one of the newest members of the team. He signed last season, uh, I guess, well, uh, summer of 2018, let's just say that. And uh, he's a good St. Louis boy, former Blue um, what's uh, what's he been? What's he look like there for the Vegas Golden Knights? Has he uh, lived up to the expectations?
0: you know Staff is a, is a, is another player that you kind of got to know his game, um, to, to understand what he can bring to a team. You're thinking that a six million dollar year center is is going to be pumping thirty goals and forty assists, and and that's not his game. He um is a very two way responsible player. The Vegas Golden Knights really needed help in the faceoff circle, and he, he, you know, he brought that for sure. Probably overpaid a little bit because we know Winnipeg wanted to re-sign him. Really, that signing came out of left field. There wasn't much news that, that, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were, were hovering around him on, uh, July 1st last year, and really caught a lot of people, myself included, off guard. I was like, well, how did that happen? Um, but when, when, Stats is going good. That's when you saw Pat Reddy heat up good season. The, before the Mark Stone acquisition. Um, Stats is, obviously you guys know, his, his game is making the, the players around him better as, as opposed to the, you know, the 30 goal scorer or whatever now at this point in his career. And early in the season there was, you know, a lot of talk locally that um, $6 million a year is, is too much for this guy. You know, Whatever, but that's not he was signed, and that's not what, what he brings to the team. Very happy with that second line, which really ended up being Vegas' first line in a lot of situations uh, after the Mark Stone acquisition. Um, I think there's there was that really quick built-in chemistry between Patch, Stass, and Stone uh, almost right away. It, uh, Stass had some history playing with Patch Ready internationally. So that so that helped a lot, and then the way Mark Stone is defensively, you know, Selkie finalist or whatever. Um, What they did was to ignite Patcheretti, was make him be first hand on the floor check because he was the fastest guy on that line. Which is not really what you think about with Max Patcheretti, right? You think about snapshot, uh, quick release in the slot, get right. to an open space, and, and get him the pocket. And he's gonna bury it. But having, having Patch go in on the four-track 1st half F1 down um, really kind of, I don't want to say masked um, Stone and Shastny's. I mean, they're not slow, but they, they're not what people think of when they think of the Golden mikes as far as speed and, and quickness. That forced pa- Patch is really to move, move his feet. And Stastny created a lot of opportunities for both Patch Ready and Stone um, coming down Middle of the ice after Stone or Pacharetti has received the puck and and got it back out high. So to, to understand his contribution to the Vegas Golden Knights, you, you have to right you have to understand his game a lot. Like I was saying about David Perron, um, and he he's been a great fit and really solidified that second line after Eric Hall's injury early in the season. He was lost for the year with a knee injury. Um, Stastny really stabilized that situation and. It, it, I think he, you know, basically that's taken over as first, you know, first line, first line A, first line B with the Carlson line.
1: Yeah, I think as Mark was alluding to, Stastny, you know, he's unusual player from this standpoint as a, as a top center. He, he, he is very, he's good offensively, but his strength is clearly away from the puck, uh, both defensively, face off, uh, things of that nature. So exactly. you know, during the during the regular season. He's a nice, not he's a good player for a team. But where uh, proofs in the pudding, uh, all the little things that you need to win playoff series, that's when he I, he really shines.
0: Hundred um, percent. So
1: yeah, so that's that's where I kind of see uh, me And it was a little bit of an injury plagued season for him this past year, as he missed. Uh, he only played in fifty games in the regular season. So hopefully for him uh, next season, especially with his having that line together. Uh,
2: he can he can play uh, a full season great well guys this was uh this is a lot of fun i appreciate you guys coming on um gave me some great insight there on uh on some some players that we have in common between our two teams uh before i let you go i want to make sure that both of you uh let my listeners know how they can find the vegas hockey podcast as well as uh chris make sure for eyes on aisles as well the fan-sided blog how where they can find you guys where they can hear you and how they can interact with you on social media?
0: Well, the the Vegas Hockey Podcast, the show, is most most of our content. We run through our Twitter page uh, at Vegas Hockey Pod. Um, all of our show links are in there too. We do a live show uh, Saturday morning at eleven a.m. Pacific, and that's hosted by Blog Talk Radio. And there'll be there's always links. Uh, Chris Chris does a better job than I do uh, posting on the on the. Social media, so make sure you follow him on his Twitter page at the NL King. Yeah, and
1: then we uh, each week uh, we have kind of multiple. I mean, uh, Vegas is obviously a big theme of the show, and we always start off the show with with the Vegas plane, and we break down what's the latest and greatest and what's upcoming for the nights. But uh, almost every show we have a special featured guest. Uh, someone as fabulous like you, Jeff, on and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, the Blues one week or the, you know, the Panthers, the net. We try to pick a a team that's kind of uh, in the news, if you will, what's going on with them. Uh, Actually, last week we did our fifth annual mock draft show. Uh, We were lucky enough to have uh, Mark Scheiger on who covers the Blue Jackets as well, Dan Harrington on because the Tampa Bay Lightning, so we always have those kind of special shows as well. So, um, you know, we've been lucky to have a lot of great guests. So, there's always the night, uh segment, there's always a featured guest segment on the team, and then me and Mark kind of go around the league as well. So, uh, even though it is, uh, there's a big theme with the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Anyone just looking, uh, starving for uh, good hockey talk and being out here in New York. Which believe it or not, even though we have some a couple of major sports all twenty four seven sports stations, they never talk hockey. You know, we'll give you a good sixty to
2: eighty minutes a week of uh real good hockey content. Excellent guys. Yeah, it's why we started this show because uh St. Louis, it's starting to pick up now, obviously, but uh yeah, we still have those issues where it's uh, it's all Cardinals and it's all NFL and it's like, Come on, let's Let's get some blues talk in there. So that's why Let's Go Blues Radio exists.
0: Well, yeah, you guys do a great job over there. It's funny here that uh, when they announced that, that we officially had a team, you know, I've been in Vegas since 1989, and, and even just to find the scores for the NHL in the local paper was a challenge. Um, literally, they – it's. If there was a big soccer tournament and they needed space, they would kick the NHL, uh, out of the paper. And then as soon as, as you know, as soon as the Vegas Golden Knights were announced as, as coming to Las Vegas officially, all, all of a sudden the, the editor at the RJ here in town was a lifelong hockey fan and, and all, all, and I'm like, dude, I've been here 30 years, and you haven't spoken one word about hockey. So that was kind of like the uh, impetus for for me to start up the Vegas Hockey Podcast, not just to cover the Vegas Golden Knights, but like Chris said, uh, just to to put some good hockey content out into the community. And I think we've done a pretty good job with it.
2: Awesome. And I I agree. From from what I've heard, you guys do a great job.
0: Yeah, we've had some cool special
1: shows along the way. We had former NHLer and former uh, Vegas – uh what is it, the Thunder, right? Uh yes, sir. Larchuk on on. We uh we had George McPhee on uh right after he got the gig. Uh so um uh and you know we've had people on from the athletics. uh people cover different teams and things of that nature. So we've had a lot of interesting guests on along along the way. So we try to we try to keep it fresh, keep it unique, try always looking for great new guests as well as bringing him Bring back uh, our old, uh, reliable, and great favorites. Um, you know, uh, like Mark Shai comes to mind as well uh, as one. So, and then Harrigan is another. So, uh, yeah, it's like I said, it's it's, uh, it's a fun show. We love doing it. It seems like it each year gains a little bit more traction, So, um, yeah, I can't believe this was the fifth year of the show. So, <laughs>
2: that's crazy. Oh, good for you guys. You like I said, I've uh, I've listened to you guys before, and guys, that is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And if uh, you'd like to tune in, make sure you uh, find Mark and Chris. And uh, as uh, Mark said, follow Chris at the NL King and uh, Vegas Hockey Pod there on Twitter, gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having us, Jeff. We appreciate it. Good times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, congrats
1: once again to to Blues uh, to the Blues fans. It, it kind of—I mentioned this on the show last week. Uh, it, 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 I think it's kind of fitting that the last two Cup winners are the Capitals and Blues. And I think those two franchises have so much in common as being strong teams, play, big playoff contenders, really going back to the '80s, and really never, never getting that close, if you will, get in terms of oh, it's few and far between in terms of winning the Cup. And now here it is within the span of the last. 12 months those two teams hoist the cup so it's i think kind of fitting that they they went back to back uh, each other went back to back
2: yeah on behalf of st louis i will say uh thank you and uh hopefully we see a couple more in our lifetime
0: hey real quick uh when we did our playoff preview show back in in april or whenever the playoffs started seems like forever ago i had the blues called as my dark horse to come out of the west picked him in every round, and picked him against the Bruins in seven. So So uh,
2: you have who we, you're who we need to thank, huh? (laughs) Well, I'll tell St. Louis to thank you for that. That's awesome. (laughs)
0: Every round, every round. The first round I was on the fence because, you know, rookie goalie in the playoffs, and and I figured that he's been so hot since he came up that I was going to take a flyer and then, Picked him the rest of the way. So congratulations to, to St. Louis Nation. It's a well-deserved cup.
2: Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Well, again, a big thanks to Mark and Chris for coming on the episode. Uh, for this show, the Twitter handles, you can find us on Twitter at LGB Radio. That is the show Twitter. You can also find the hosts of this show. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Days at Billy Blue Note. And myself, Jeff Ponder, can be found at jponder.com. 9-4. Our next show will be this upcoming Monday, September 2nd. Uh, Dan Rice from the thehockeywriters.com. He has been a long-time Devils reporter. Uh, he's in the media. He's a friend of mine that I made years and years ago. Wanted to try and get it to where we were going to be in the same place doing this interview, but unfortunately that just didn't work out. I couldn't make it to New Jersey for my job uh, in the time that I wanted to have this interview post. So, uh, But still, We will have Dan on next week on Monday, September 2nd, so make sure you tune in for that one. Well, that will conclude this episode. I want to thank you all for listening, and until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Play Gloria!
1: Thanks for listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.